Hey, how's it going, guys? And welcome to another episode of The Rotation. Uh, we're missing one of our usual suspects today, uh, but it is me, Kingdom, and I'm joined by Icon Nation, no stranger to The Rotation. Uh, we unfortunately are without Ashley, aka Midnight, today. She actually, it seems like, might have came down with the land flu. And it happens. You know, you got to only dap people up. Don't shake hands. I think that's the <laughs> recipe. <laughs> But I heard that the uh, the passion pit was a little crazy, and I'm sure she got in there to check that out. So uh, it probably was bananas. Uh, lots to talk about today, Icon. I mean, what a weekend. Uh, <laughs> a lot of surprises, a lot of upsets. I think they said 0.01%. Only eight people in the entire world got their, got it right that Lag was going to win the grand finals. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I doubt anybody actually had them dropping into losers. And then going all the way to winners since Slasher is the only person who's done that twice. And he was on the first team that did it. And this is only the second time that's happened. And so uh, I think it's amazing. Um, and I kind of wanted to get your overall thoughts on the event. Just the overall experience as a viewer of this weekend. Yeah, I guess my first takeaway is that kind of the, the overall venue kind of gave me throwback vibes to when it was old MLG right being in a, a ballroom and having the projectors i know that it was a struggle for minnesota to find a venue but for me it just gave me that feel of what it was like in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 of going to those events and walking in a ballroom and just having these massive screens and uh right. this whole show being put out for you so that was the vibe that it gave me and we haven't really had that vibe lately because like most of these tournaments have been at that esports stadium in Arlington and it has a little bit of a different feel to it. And each team has their individual rooms and all that. Uh, so for me, I thought it was kind of cool. It just gave me a throwback vibe. Um, I guess my second biggest takeaway, uh, it was it was interesting to hear when Rocker played Optic. And, and I, I was talking with our producers a little bit before we started here that when the chance i mean the, the the chant that we hear so often is let's go optic right and it was weird to hear like you would almost start to hear that chant happen and then it would get drowned out by let's go rocker and that's something that wow. we haven't really experienced before right it's like basically whether it was yeah. in the old days where it was mlg columbus or anaheim or miami or wherever they were at it was you would always hear let's go optic so to hear that chant start and then to hear it get drowned out by the Rocker fans, I just think it's it's super cool. And I think that's something that we haven't been able to see yet in the CDL, right? That was one of the biggest draws to the CDL is that finally we'll have these home events where, you know, teams yeah. of Optic and teams of London and teams of wherever that tournament is being held can be the resounding squad that, you know, gets the most fanfare. And we haven't seen it yet. So um, even with the first one this year, it, it just happened to be Optics home major. So we didn't really quite see it there either. So the yeah. first one outside of, you know, where Optic is the fan favorite, it was just cool to see the experience overall. It was cool to see other players get love that in the past they probably haven't really gotten before. Um, I know that was something that I talked about when the CDL formed is that, and that was before COVID and before everything went online. But I just thought it would be cool that, you know, if you were on Optic, you really weren't getting that level of love from the fans in attendance. Yeah. So now I think it's super cool, whether it's in Minnesota or wherever, you know, the following majors are going to be. I just think it's cool that those players are going to get to experience that sort of love from the fans. Uh, so overall, I, I think the event was was phenomenal. It was really cool yeah. to see different teams make it. Like if you had to talk, I know we'll talk more about this in a minute, but oh yeah, of course. I, I when it comes to predictions and who was going to win, what I mean, I was all over the place. For right now, I don't feel like I know who's in the top four, who's in the top six, whatever. Uh, but the event was was super cool to watch. Yeah, it was amazing, and you know something you kind of hinted at is an old school term that we don't use that much anymore, but it's the optic juice. You know, it's <laughs> it's a real thing. Uh, there's players that become. I mean, it happened to Envoy when he got on Optic. It happened to Dashy when he got on Optic. It happened to Formal when he got on Optic. It, like, and it's really kind of like the Nade Shot and Scumpy, you know, and Hex. They just have shared their influence with people. And it's amazing. I mean, Midnight, me. I mean, I, I, a lot of my notoriety in this community back in the day was because of Optic Juice. 
things, you know? And, and so it's amazing that an event happened and Optic didn't have all their juice. I mean, yeah. they actually were getting booed <laughs> at moments. And so like Optic getting booed? Is that, <laughs> what? What planet are we on? And yeah. so like seeing that happen and seeing the impact it had, I actually, I know I talked about it on previous shows, but I actually thought that the Optic crowd had an impact on Phase and an impact on Optic a negative impact on phase, a positive impact on optic. Yeah. I wonder if without as much juice, it impacted optic in this event. You know, and I know they got through the rocker, but of course it's not like the rocker fans are going to go crazy wanting them to win. You know, it's like they're the team to beat your team. You know, it's like, you know, in football and stuff, when you lose the Super Bowl the team that beat you, they're the enemy, you know? And so like, this was an, a really interesting event and it really showed that home crowds to your point, like they matter. Like I would love to see uh, an Atlanta event, you know, for Atlanta <laughs> yeah. phase and see what that would, if, if optic would get booed in that environment and what that would, cause I think those phase guys need it. I mean, if I'm honest with you, they have become the villains. And now that Lan is back and you're getting booed and you're the best team in the game, like it's kind of obvious. If you look at their placings over the last, you know, 18 events, 14 grand finals, like that's ridiculous. And yeah. so, it's got to hurt to be booed in that environment. And so awesome, you know, tippable to the rocker because what they did is they grew a fan base over time and everybody that's in this chat and everybody that watches this content and that, and that follows the Twitter and what their players do, what attach is doing on his channel. I saw that he's interviewing slasher tomorrow. You guys should check that out. Like, honestly, this event was, it was amazing. Um, it was a really awesome event. Very unpredictable, so the viewership leveled off a bit lower than usual, but I don't I, I don't take any negatives away from this event as a COD fan. I was really happy. So, you know, we on you know, there's a part of that event that was unfortunate uh for the home team, you know, and we knew it was possible. You know, it was really hard. They were gonna go against the Seattle Surge or Optic Texas. And the hope from my <laughs> standpoint was that Seattle got beat by Optic and they were kind of beaten down and they could then get beat by Minnesota. Not that Minnesota can't beat either one of those teams, uh, but those two teams have been at the top and competing at the highest level in this league. And it didn't seem like Rocker found their full footing yet. And so I kind of, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the state of the Minnesota Rocker. And without Ashley here, you know, like we're not going to get the purple Kool-Aid, so to speak. But um, <laughs> what are your overall thoughts on how the Rocker placed and played in this event? And what do you think the state of things are for the Minnesota Rocker right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a tough stretch here. I mean, I don't think there's any point in uh, sugarcoating anything. If you look at kind of how the online qualifiers ended, all they had to do was beat an NYSL squad that had a roster change and was kind of new to their environment and their chemistry and what they were trying to do as a squad. And they weren't able to do that. And it didn't even go map five. They lost 3-1 in that last online qualifier. Good point. And had they won that, they would have been placed in winner's bracket. And at least we would have been able to see them a little bit more at their home major. So that was, you know, a little bit confusing. I know NYSL was, they didn't have the greatest of appearances at this major either. Granted, in the first round, they played Atlanta. And then they got uh, knocked out by LA Thieves. Um, right. But... I don't know. It's to a point where I, I guess I'm expecting if they're not playing the Atlantas or I, I guess you could throw LAG in there now, even though I'm not totally sold. And when it comes uh, to yeah, I talk about points that. and whatnot, <laughs> I, I just I don't know how confident I am in them and where exactly to put them. But if it's not like the optics or the Atlantas or maybe even like the Londons and the LAGs, if they're not playing those guys, I'm at a point where I still just think that they're a better squad than uh, the Floridas and the Seattles and the NYSLs and the Paris and, and those guys. I feel like they should be winning those matches and we're to a point where they're not winning those matches. And if it's not S&D, there's really not a lot of success in either of those other game modes, right? Right now yeah. in hard point for the year, there are six wins and 17 losses. And when you think back to last season, when Rocker wow. was able to turn things around, they were able to do so because they made the roster move to bring in Standy, and they finally started to win some hard points and they started to win some map ones. And when you coupled with that, with the fact that they were such a good S and D and control team last year, that 
you know, you win a map one or you win a map four and now you're winning, you know, series 3-0 and it's how they were able to make that run in the stage five major. And this year they just don't have it. Like they're decent at S&D. They have an 11-7 record so far in S&D, but their control they haven't been able to lean on. And that was ultimately the difference maker in that series with Optic. Optic is the single best control team in the CDL. So in that matchup, you had to win the map one hard point that really wasn't close at all. And if you didn't do that, then you had to win the control because you weren't going to beat them in hard point. So when Optic is the best control team in the game, it was just such a difficult path to victory. And yeah. some of the mistakes that Rocker are making, we'll talk about it here in this, the, the, the segment coming up here. But the mistakes yeah. that they're making are mistakes that players of the, the caliber that's on this Minnesota Rocker squad shouldn't be making. And it's uh, it's to a point where I'm not quite sure, you know, where where we go moving forward. I mean, I know where we go. You know, it's not something anybody wants to talk about, but it is the long break before the next um, split, so to speak, uh, before the next qualifiers. And everybody's been talking about it. It's obvious there are a number of teams that we can name like NYSL, like Paris. um, And you'd have to put the Minnesota Rocker in that conversation. You know, we're halfway through the season. And right now, the Minnesota Rocker are in the bottom four, which wouldn't qualify for champs. And mm. we know Attach, we know um, Brian Saint, you know, we know Looney, we know the entire Rocker organization. Um, they they are building a franchise, and they want to win. You know, um, the whole Rocker reverse that everybody will be talking about for the rest of COD history that'll go down in the record books um, as something that will probably never happen. You know, everybody thought it might, you know, phase almost, you know, could have done something. Um, but it, it, it's honestly, I don't see that happening ever again. You know, this team has shown a resolve. They tried to stick this out for half of the year. And I think now it's time to at least have a conversation. And I, I don't know, I'm not going to point fingers at players because the hard thing about this team is everybody brings something very valuable to the team and they have an ice together that seems to work except they can't seem to find it when they're going against some of the best teams in the game. And there are other teams in this league right now that are struggling with the same thing. I mean, the Boston breach, you know, everybody keeps talking about their route has been really easy to their success. Um, And yeah, if you look at their placings versus the top two or three teams, um, they're on the struggle bus. And so, uh, but as long as you qualify for champs, that's what everybody's worried about right now. That's the second half of this season. You know, we're about to go into the second leg of the season. And everyone's going to be focused on qualifying for champs. Can, I think every team with the exception of the Paris Legion probably can qualify. Um, I also know that in about two or three matches, FaZe is going to basically confirm their ticket. You know, right now, technically, if they lost everything, the Toronto Ultra could still catch them in points if they won everything. And so I think we're going to get to a place where it's like for sure that some of these teams are getting into champs. Um, and the Minnesota Rocker right now, it's interesting though, because they've, they've lost as many matches as the Boston breach who are in fourth, you know, um, they've only lost eight. Everybody else around them is like nine losses, 11 losses, 10 losses, nine, nine, nine. Um, and it's because they haven't been able to get far in, you know, the majors. And so, um, have to start in the winner's bracket in the next major and need to get basically like to where optic got in this current one to like round three. So you can see, we got the point standings up and, you know, I was talking about it and it's just, you know, I was asking earlier before we started the show, like what's the, you know, HQ like, you know, and everybody's focused on getting their stuff done. I mean, they had a big weekend. This was a huge weekend for Minnesota rocker. And I guess that's the the thing that you can celebrate is that this is some of the best hosting we've seen. You know, they had a trophy in the CDL, like they made an actual trophy. Which you was know, dope. So that was awesome. You know, it was really great. And I saw lots of good sentiment from the players, even though they had lost. Um, mostly attached, but it's like I saw good sentiment. People they were meeting at the event. And so attached, you know, Dylan is still going around the venue and talking to all of those fans who came out to see them win. And even though they didn't win, you know, it was like, let's still engage with our fan base, you know, with these people who stand behind us. And so to your point, I don't know the path forward. I do not think from an analytical standpoint um, they should stick because it's just like, let's find out what's not working, and the only way to find out is to make a change. Um, so 
that would be my state of the Minnesota Rocker. But, you know, to talk a little bit about, you know, something um, at this event, uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, Icon, for your By the Numbers. Yeah, so as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, most of the time I'm talking about like how defensive rounds and control are going or what makes the team so good at hard point and, you know, how good they are on certain hills, on different maps, stuff like that. But with this, it really hit me when I was watching that Optic versus Rocker match. The very first map, I, I just kind of got this sense that overall, Rocker didn't seem very prepared. And when you're playing against a team like Optic, now I know Optic is one of the best respawn teams in the game. Shotzi individually is one of the best players in the entire world. So when you're playing a squad like that and a player like that, they definitely have the ability to just pop off and they can beat you by themselves. I mean, it's just, we saw it from Standy last year. We've saw it from Ibiza. We've seen it from Shotzi. We've seen it from these, you know, these super talented players in the past, but it's, it wasn't even in this first hard point that Shotzi popped off. It was just the routes he was taking. So for example, I, I just kind of, as I was watching, I took a little snippet of what was happening on this Gavutu hard point. And this is when the score early on in the first set of rotations, as it was going from P4 to P5, what you're seeing here is that as Optic has control of the left-hand side of the map inside of P4, you can see all of those white arrows inside that P4 hard point. And if you don't have P4, you have to try to get time inside of P5 because the way that this hard point works out is P1 and P2 which are right in the center of the map are pretty contested. P4 and P5 are those hills where if you're down by 40, you can pop off, you can get a bunch of points, you can get right back into the game. Or if you're up by 40, then you can build on top of that and you can really put this away. So what you're looking at here is, okay, you don't have time inside of P4. You have to go ahead and you have to lock down the right-hand side of the map as it's about to pop towards P5. And that white arrow on the right-hand side of the mini-map, number seven, that is Shotzi. And he was just able to leak out. He was able to get all the way on that right-hand side of the map. And as it rotated over towards P5, that's where this map started to get away from Minnesota is just they weren't able to hold down those spawns on the right-hand side of the map. They weren't able to get 30, 40, 50 points inside of P5. And what you see from a lot of squads, like for example, Atlanta phase is really good on this map, is that they almost treat this as if you're inside of P4. So if Atlanta isn't inside of P4, they almost set up a spawn trap and they don't even let you get near mid map to get over to the right-hand side of the map for P5. And that's not the setup that you see here, right? You have one player from Minnesota watching the push over on the top side of the map, which is great. I mean, obviously you don't wanna give up the flank there, but if you just hold as Atlanta is exiting that P4 hill, if you just hold down those couple choke points from there, then you don't have to worry about somebody like Shotzi escaping. But if you look at the middle of the map here, it is so wide open. And when you have a player like Shotzi that is so sneaky and his movement is the best in the world, you're going to yep. be able to see this. So this is just the first example in the first set of hard points as this really started to spiral away from us now this was a, a little bit later so now it's going over towards p3 we talked about how p1 and p2 can be uh super contested so three four and five you kind of have to go from there and again what you're seeing here is that as you go towards p3 you want to have that right hand side of the map you can see that right now minnesota is set up they're inside the current p3 hard point and it's a little bit difficult to see but in the bottom right you can see the purple arrow that has number two next to it but right underneath it you can see that white number seven arrow that again is shotzi and and I specifically paused it right here because Shotzi is behind that player as we're looking at it right now. And he doesn't actually shoot this player. He just gives it up and he goes to the right-hand side of the map and he goes to set up for contesting those spawns. And it's just another example of, okay, we're set up. We have map positioning. We have spawns. All we have to do is just lock down the middle of the map and not allow Atlanta to get to that or Optic to get to that right-hand side of the map. And Shotzi was able to do that. And this is just another example of where, okay, if we're down by 40 or 60 or whatever, we could take control of this hard point. We can get us back in the game. And there's just open routes that allows a player like Shot Shotzi to get through and disrupt this side of the map. 
And then we have one more here. And this is just, this is towards the very end. So I believe as we're looking at it right now, uh, Optic is at like 248. So they're just a couple seconds away. So this one might be a little bit different, but still you're going over towards P5 on the bottom right-hand side of the map. And now what do you notice, right? Look at the top side of the map. Look at what's happening. Shocking. Even if Minnesota is able to lock this down and get the entirety of this time, they would be able to get it close. They're not going to win. So I get the fact that, okay, we have to focus towards that hard point, but you're looking at the top right-hand side of the map and it's going to be impossible because what was locked down before on this rotation from P4 to P5 was that top-hand side of the map. And now Shotzi sneaks through and he's going to be able to shoot them in the back again. So I just, as I was watching this live, I was seeing this unfold. And I believe the casters were even talking about the scenarios as they were playing out, but it just oh, seemed wow. like, over and over again, there were open lanes that allowed players like Shotzi's and fast SMGs to get behind enemy lines. And as soon as you mess up spawns and you make things a bit dicey, now you're not getting that time inside the hill, you get flipped out, and this is how you end up losing by, I forget exactly what's the, the map one. It was 250 to 144. So if you're able to just not even do anything else, but just hold down spawns for these hills, and these rotations that you initially have spawns for, that's going to end up leading to a map victory. So it's it's difficult. He did hit those long routes, but he's just a sneaky player. And I don't know if we were super prepared to lock down all those exit routes. And this is what happens against some of these best teams in the world. Man, um, good breakdown. It, it's it's funny because something you know, like when I watch, I'm always paying attention to like the gameplay and what's happening on top of the screen. I look at the minimap sometimes and I always find it interesting. Like I, I look on Twitter and then everybody's talking about a specific play, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, or a bad spawn or something. Yeah. Spawn. <laughs> now there was one spawn. I can't remember what it was. There was one spawn during the event where I I, I mean, it was like, everybody saw it. And then Merc was like, wait, 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 how did he get back there? You know? And it was like <laughs> somebody spawned just like behind the other team. And it was so obvious that that shouldn't have happened. Um, and so, you know, that's a part of the game, you know, and it's there is a lot to be learned there in terms of like, I don't know if it's the chemistry. I don't know if it's like the players because these guys know how to play Call of Duty. Like they're good in other game modes they are good in other, you know, maps throughout these matches. But map one seems to be a problem. It, it There is just something I don't know if they need to listen to some music. I don't know what it is, but. And they and they talked about like a lot of teams, what happens in practice doesn't happen on game day. So that means there's something that is happening on game day when they go from being cold to being hot in a game. There's something that needs to change. And it may be one of the players that just has to play a game to get into it. And that one person could be holding them back. I have no idea. Um, but your breakdown really showed that there is a bit of a breakdown and there's some things that need to uh, be worked on, which I'm sure this team is aware of because they're a great team. Uh, right. So. Thank you for sharing all that. You know, that was, that was dope, Icon. Uh, so, you know, um, we have to talk about <laughs> uh, this event. And we can look at the bracket, you know, and look at what happened to some teams. There's some teams where you just, like, you know, like, I was taking notes, you know, before the show and stuff. And then I'm looking at the bracket. And I'm calling out names. I'm going to write optics or subliners. And I get down to rocker and I just put a frowny face, you know. Like, <laughs> subliners, frowny face. Like, they got 3 0 by phase, and then, yeah, they brought it to game five, um, but getting kind of first-rounded out of this event for them, that's not success at all. Uh, for Crim6 especially, we know that. Um, and there's other teams that they did work. It just, it's just, this is, you know, Rambo shouted out before the final grand finals even happened. He gave a shout-out to Seattle, to Florida, uh, and, to, and to Lag, and was like, this is the most competitive that this Call of Duty League has ever been. And that's the reality is you look at a team like the Breach, it's like they 3 0'd the team that won the event and threw them into losers. And that's like where they got their inspiration, I guess, to go on their crazy run. Um, they went game five with the Mutineers who went far in the tournament. They lost to FaZe, which so did everybody else except for the Gorillas. <laughs> uh, and they went up against the Gorillas and took it to game five. And they just struggled in that game five. But I I think that what we saw from a lot of these teams was they tried, 
And it just like the Royal Ravens, they got beaten that first round, but then they beat the Legion, which they should have. And then they lost 3-0 to the team that won the event. Um, and so there's a lot of teams that, in my opinion, should be holding their heads high, you know, like the Mutineers. I would hold my heads high if I was the Mutineers for they lost to the team that won the event. You know, they got pretty far in the tournament. It is obvious if you look at, you know, the Gorillas path, you lose first round and then win out. And I think they were 20 and nine after getting 3 0 uh, in every match mm. that they played, which is utterly ridiculous, including five two-wing phase. And to go 20 and nine, they went game five in those last three to get up to the grand finals. Like that is just ice after ice after ice. They couldn't lose a search and destroy 10 mm. in a row. Um, and so I kind of want to talk about lag and I, I have some questions um, <laughs> that I'm curious as to your opinion. And one of the first ones icon is, does this team go back to the team that they were? Mm. <laughs> Does Big P come back? They just won an event. But was it all just non-preparation vibes? Or is Spark the spark that they need and Big P doesn't come back and he gets put on the trading block? That is, uh, I, I guess that's the, the big question right now. Because when yeah. you think about, I mean, Spark came in and him using the Vault, it completely changed the entire tournament. Like we really had not seen that gun whatsoever. He uses it. And then now you just see it on every squad almost. Like you definitely yep. saw Atlanta FaZe using it in the grand finals. I mean, he came in and basically changed the course of that entire tournament just by being successful with a different gun. What I will say is that especially when you get towards the grand finals, I think he had, uh, obviously he played out of his mind tremendous. But when you look at the other players on that squad, Huke was unbelievable. Huke was the best player in this tournament overall. Should have won MVP in yeah. that grand final. I mean, he just, he had like a 1.24, 1.25, yep. which is far better than everybody else. And, and I think we have to maybe remember that in our minds because when you go back to the very first major last year, Huke was the best player in Black Ops Cold War before everything else kind of spiraled out of control for him. He was the best player in the CDL last year. Yeah. And true. and when this when this squad was built, that was one of the big questions is, okay, all right, you got Slasher. All right, you got a route man in a scene that played phenomenally in Black Ops Cold War alongside Hydra. Okay, you got Gunless. He's had some rough patches. But what are we going to get out of Huke? That was the big question mark. If you get this tournament in and tournament out, okay, now this is a squad that can be a contender no matter if they're playing online or on land or whatever. So um, I know that's, you know, maybe a different tangent, but Slasher played super well. And obviously he was unbelievably motivated. And yeah. you could tell with where he was going on Twitter after the event that he kind of had some chips on his shoulder. Asim can play with any route man in the CDL. So He's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, everybody just turned up. They played unbelievably well. Um, I think Spart was instrumental to them winning this, but I don't think he was the sole. I know he won like the finals MVP or whatever, but he was not the sole reason why they won that finals. For me, it was Hook then slasher um so i don't i don't really know what they do moving forward it'll be interesting to see i don't think gunless has necessarily been playing bad i mean i think that you could sub him in and now i will say i don't think he's the same type of player that spart is i think that they approach the game a bit differently i think that spart opens up the map a bit more for his teammates. And now all of a sudden, you're not only dealing with the pressure from a scene, but you're also dealing with the pressure from Spart and Hook. So I, I think that just if you're playing LAG, now you have one more thing to worry about and you're back on your heels a little bit more. So I'm, I'm not sure what they do moving forward. I think I would let this squad ride out. I mean, when you beat London 3-0 and you beat Seattle in a map five, who has one of, you know, I mean, he, accuracy is named Iceman for a reason i mean you beat on land right. seattle map five you beat florida when florida looked like okay they're winning this elimination round four i mean they absolutely threw that last snd for lag to even move on and get into the losers bracket finals so what they were able to do was super impressive now what i will say is that they did have a series of they had to win in map fives, right? It, it, this was not 
a super dominant performance where, all right, we're going to 3-0 this squad, 3-0 this squad, 3-1 here. We're in the It wasn't finals. search, though. <clears throat> right. So, and, and by the way, something that has been a saying in competitive Call of Duty for as long as it's been <laughs> around is that S&D wins championships, and Big these facts. dudes were lights out in S&D. Yep. So I don't know where LAG goes from here. I think that they're definitely in the top, I don't know, maybe five, top four teams. I mean, the talent is there. There's still the question marks for me. Do you get that out of Hook every tournament? Do you get that out of Slasher every tournament? Um, but so, this was not a resounding you know, beatdown of Florida and Boston to get to where they were. No, but this team beat the Ultra Ravens, Surge, Mutineers, Breach, and then 5 2 phase. The only team they didn't beat of any notoriety is Optic. Um, they, but they beat teams that beat Optic. You know, like, in my opinion, uh, this is one of the most impressive wins that I've seen. It took Slasher a thousand days to get another W. Uh, Hook hasn't won since 2020. Um and asim has been fighting for a championship on different franchises. Um, and he gave a shout out to those franchises. You know, he gave a shout out uh, to his coaches from NYSL um, and from the Minnesota Rocker. Like he gave a shout out to people. And I think that like, I think Spark was the spark though. And I don't, I think to your point, I think you let it ride. It, it's really hard to think about changing this because if he was the one that gate, like think about it, who else on this team is going to shout with a scene. Nobody. These are all laid back dudes. Yeah. You put Spark in there and you saw him getting all riled up and and be the only other person who was doing that on the entire team is a scene. Like that is not Slasher was clapping when he won the champion. He's literally <laughs> clapping. Like he wasn't being like let's go. He was like you know, and you saw a scene like telling the crowd to get up and Hook is just like giving his Hook smile. Yeah, like, yeah guys, <laughs> like high five. And so like honestly I think the juice they need, like it's it was, it's something that Clayster has. I think I think he might have that. You know, mm -hmm. I think Spart might have that Clayster juice where he just gasses up his teammates in a way that works. And team dynamic, it's now becoming one of the more important aspects of winning because everybody's so equal in terms of skill, and you have right. coaching teams across the entire league. If you can get the right mix of players. And that's what when we talk about the Minnesota Rocker, it's like it's not like any of the players are bad. It's just the mix isn't working. So you may need to look at switching the mix around. The New York Subliners, none of the players are bad, Krim included. It's just the mix is not working. It definitely wasn't working with Clayster, uh, <laughs> but it, I, I I still think it's not working. Then you have teams like the Boston Breach, where if you looked preseason, you'd have them in the bottom four of the league based on, and I'm not saying anything against any of those players, but that's just where you'd predict them. And then Big Cap comes in and goes off. Those players feed off each other. Nero, TJ, Methods, they feed off each other. I think this team showed us that. And it just, I wouldn't break it up. If it was me, I'm putting Big P on the market. I'm giving him an opportunity to go somewhere else. And that's a good call out from Oliver Lee in the chat. Spart and Asim are killer together. That's facts. They are. They, they're, they, they make a good duo. And then you have this veteran and slasher who's not going to make a lot of mistakes on the map. And you have Hook who has Gunny like Shotzi. Like, I think, man, everything you said, Icon, even it just more so I already was on par with not changing this, but more so I wouldn't. Um, and and <laughs> it's the right time. You know, there's going to be a lot of team shopping right now. And there's a wild clayster out there trying to get on a team. There's lots of players that are now like, I want to get back in because they know these franchises are going to, probably pick some people up paris could drop two or three people you know who knows they're gonna keep donnie i'm sure um so are there any was there any other surprises that you know they was there any other placements that you were actually surprised by outside of lag beating a lot of teams but were you surprised by anybody how good they did or how bad they did in this tournament i don't know if i could say that i'm super surprised just because of the fact that when i look at like it seemed like last year you could almost divide the CDL into like the top four that were always contenders, a middle four that were like, okay, we're kind of so-so on them. And then you had the bottom four squads, the Paris, the Londons, the Seattles of the world that you, they just weren't going to compete this year. I feel like Paris is down there, but other than that, I don't, I just, 
and the predictions kind of show that the way that the predictions for us wound out is that I just don't know what to expect from a lot of these squads match yep. in and match out. Um, I still, and I don't know what it is. I know that I talked about this a little bit with like, you know, some people texting back and forth or whatnot. This might be the tournament that kind of breaks my Atlanta phase resolve because oh. from, from the beginning of when the CDL formed, I just saw, all right, you got Selium, you got Simp, you got a BZ. Good luck beating these guys, no matter who they play. And that has always been my stance all the way throughout. And I still think that if, if you play 10 matches phase versus, you know, 10 matches versus anybody phase is probably going to win eight of out of 10 against seven, you know, Florida sure. or, yeah. I mean, they're the, they're still yes. the best squad, but they're just not showing up in this game in those key moments. Like they have done in years past, but outside of like optic and optic, just because they're, they're much improved in S and D and they're so good at control outside of optic and Atlanta after that, I mean, London was in that conversation for me. And then the only thing they did this tournament was beat Paris. And then they got smoked by LAG, which a lot of teams did, but now I'm not quite sure on London. Boston had a really good showing LA thieves. I mean, there's a ton of people <laughs> thinking like, does LA thieves make a roster change? Like, are they to that point when, yeah, they beat NYSL. They took Optic to map five before losing an SND to Optic, which obviously has a huge clutch factor when it comes to that Optic squad. It's just to the point where like, I have so many question marks. Florida, before this tournament, I, I, I guess I'd probably have them in like the bottom four. Not quite sure how the roster was made up. It didn't quite fit a bunch of roles. You had Awakening last year running Flex. Now this year he's running SMG and he's been playing super well. I mean, he's yeah. probably a top five player in the CDL, which has a lot to do with their success. Dave Patty has been absolutely shredding. But even with them, I still have question marks. Like, yeah, they got a, a, an impressive win over Optic, but they lost to Boston. They lost to LAG. It just seems like when you're looking at the landscape of the CDL right now, I, I don't know who's going to win on a night in night out basis. Um, so one, one final thing I'll say about LAG is that, and I know I might've been kind of tough on them is I don't think gunless deserves to lose his spot. I just think that the makeup of that LAG squad is better as it's made up right now. Yep. I think gunless has been playing super well. I think he's probably a top 10 or 15 player in this game. Uh, I think if you take him and you put him on Paris or somebody like that, maybe even like NYSL who needs a different piece. I, I feel like he needs to have a home in the CDL. Yeah. It's just, you know, they brought in a player that fits better alongside a seam and brings some different stuff to the table. So it's, it's not that, you know, gunless deserves. I, I didn't want to make it sound like that. It's just, I yeah. think that the way that the team is made up, it's just made up better as it is now. So um, if I was going to quick run through here um, so that we can, I mean, kind of talk about standings and everything, but we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, lag uh, proved that they're probably going to be one of those teams that will fight for a champ spot. Um, Atlanta phase. I'm going to switch back because <laughs> I was going to go according to the list of the placements, but I'll go according to this list. So phase um, proved that they're still the best team. And me and you talked uh, on our old show, <laughs> like when, when this team first kind of formed and you were like, this could be the best team in the game for the next three to five years. You know, um, there's, there's I not definitely like use the term dynasty. Yes, for sure. And it's hard to not call them a dynasty with 14 out of 18 finals, but it's like people that hate on LeBron because he's been to 10 championships, you know, but, you know, has lost more than he's won. You know, it's so it's like I understand that people are not satisfied with second place. I understand that FaZe is not satisfied with second place. Um, I, Scump is the same type of player and Krim is the same type of player. That's what champions do. They don't like anything other than winning championships. And for FaZe, this is a fail, like two second place in a row. This is not what they want. Yeah, they're going to champs. Cool. Um, but Crowder is not the same as Rambo. Like, yeah, I don't care. Just in, as long as we win champs, you know, 
Um, now, if you win champs, then yeah, you look back and you're like, well, I guess all those second places were worth it, you know. Um, but you need you want to win within the season to be more and more intimidating. Like you just want that swagger. Like you can't beat us, you know. We're gonna win the majority of the events, and that's already impossible. They can win half, and so. Um, with it, when it comes to optics, still a good team, still a great team. You look at their, you know, freaking series win loss. They're phenomenal. Uh, I think they're going to still be in a slugfest with FaZe um, throughout the year. Royal Ravens, I didn't learn anything negative about them. They played, you know, they played hard. They didn't play their best. Uh, Boston Breach, verdict is still out after two entire majors. <laughs> I still have no idea what to think of the Boston Breach. And if they, I know they're probably going to make champs. Um I know they're a top six team guaranteed. I don't know anything else. Could they place eighth, ninth? Sure. You know, it's possible you know, depending on who they go against. There there was something in the chat from Jess Polar TV about mm-hmm. Breach. And he said, Breach is going to be a team that is going to keep getting better. And I I personally, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Just the, the makeup of that squad, I feel like Boston, I feel like they're close to their ceiling. I think like, so when I look at like, how good can a squad be? Yeah. Is, is is their ceiling still much higher than what they've shown? Methods right now has been unbelievable. I mean, he's been the star of that squad. Yes, Capital's been playing amazing, but what Methods has given to that squad is what has fueled them so far this year. And I'm just not quite sure. Like, I feel like that's as good as he's going to play. And when you look at TJ and Nero and Capsule, I just feel like, Maybe they know the game a bit better than everybody else right now. What they're doing in S and D, I mean, they're a squad that's really good at S and D. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like when I look at Boston personally, I think that they're approaching their ceiling. Not that they're still really far away from the best version of themselves that they can be. Reaches a momentum team, I think. Says Will in the chat. When they are up, they dominate. But if they hit a wall, they fall apart. I, I agree. I think they don't stop playing though that's what's weird about them they might stop their teamwork but they don't stop like capital i don't think is ever gonna like not try to fry you know like and just sometimes when you run into a wall whether it's a green wall or a phase wall or you know whatever it is that you're running into uh, a, a purple wall from lag you might uh yeah you you need to slow down you know, you got to stick to your fundamentals, you know, and that's what a lot of these teams that are winning. Speaking of teams that we thought were going to be winning coming into this year, but have done a very uh, horrible job of it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Toronto Ultra icon? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely speechless. This is another one of those squads that throughout MW, throughout Black Ops Cold War, even as this year started, I was like, okay, there's the Atlanta phase. And the Toronto Ultra is consistently the second best squad over the last couple of years in the CDL. And you look at their makeup this year, and w- we talked about this a little bit with Looney last year, is that they might not, or last week or two weeks ago when we had our podcast with Looney, mm-hmm. and I asked him about Toronto, and he said that it might just be a situation where last year those guns that were in Black Ops Cold War especially cammy cammy was a top Krig player in the cdl last year and the way that the automaton works this year it just it's a little bit of a different style of a weapon you have to almost post up a bit more and i think that i'm starting to believe that this might be a game that just doesn't suit them because when you Mm. look at where they're at rocker has been putrid in hardpoint and Toronto's been worse. Toronto is the 12th ranked team in Hardpoint this year. And when you think at what they've done, what their track record is over the last two years, that is not the same ultra that we've seen. Nope. When you, now, when you look at S&D, they're still performing in S&D. They're the third best team in S&D. And then Control, they're up there as well. It's just their Hardpoint has consistently failed them over and over again. And if you lose both of your Hardpoints, that's... We're seeing that with Minnesota Rocker. It's such a tough path to overcome that a lot of squads can't do it. And I think with this one, they ran into an LAG squad that obviously was just off the charts at this tournament. I mean, we've seen that from squads in the past, namely Minnesota Rocker last year at the Stage 5 Major. Um, So I I don't know. I, I honestly, I still think, like, if you look at the standings overall, you see Toronto mixed in with the Floridas and the Seattles and the LA Thieves of the world. I still think that they're a better squad. I just think that they haven't found their way yet. Like, to me, I look at these CDL points and these standings overall, 
I could definitely see at the end of the third major Toronto being 20, 30 points ahead of Florida and Seattle and LA thieves. Like for me, I just don't see them staying beneath some of the squads that they're beneath right now. And maybe it's just, I have that same resolve with Toronto that I have with Atlanta is I just, I still think that phase is the best squad in the game, even though it may be teetering a little bit. I still think that Toronto is, is a better squad than what they're showing this year. Um, it just, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. And I guess maybe you could say the same thing about Minnesota. They're very similar that when their hard point clicks, okay, you know, we're going to start to see much better performances. It just, it just hasn't yet. And it's something that I personally can't explain. Um, you know, Aches said at the beginning of the year before anything was played that the Toronto Ultra were going to be the CDL champions. And he still keeps saying that. Um, and I'm going to take another one of his phrases and say it might be time to blow it up. <laughs> um, I mm. think this, I think honestly, this is the, you know how every year there's like a, a, a reward or whatever you call it for like most improved player, most improved team, mm -hmm. most whatever, you know, like in the NBA and stuff like that, like they get these most improved awards. When you're on little league teams as a kid, they give you a most improved award. You got so good over the summer, you know, and it's like the ultra did the opposite, man. It was like, yeah. it's not even a least improved. It's like most declined. Like they, they have become a walking L instead of a walking W. And I don't mean any disrespect by that, but it's like, it's hard to predict them to win anymore. You know, like no. to your point, it's hard to predict FaZe not to win. Even if they, even in the next tournament, everybody's going to say FaZe going to win. Like there wasn't a single person on the timeline. The moment the grand finals, they were like, good job lag. You did a good run, but you're about to run into FaZe. They've been waiting for you and they're getting this chip. And it was like, oh, snap. We were all wrong, you know? And I think with, the ultra, I just don't see it, man. I agree with you. I think it might take a roster change to change it, but I agree with you that they won't be where they are, but they could not make champs, you know? Um, and I don't know if they need to go to challengers. I don't know if they grab Spart if he doesn't get a squad. I don't know if they grab a Clayster. I don't like I don't know what the the piece is because those guys have a chemistry, much like the rocker team, you know, those guys have a chemistry that has lasted years now. And so it's kind of like, wait, do we really want to break up this chemistry? Because what if this chemistry works at champs? It's just not working right now. Like I, who knows? They all got sick. They, you know, went through COVID each player went through COVID, but not at the same time. It's like you get it for two weeks then I'm going to get it for two weeks. Then I'm going to get it for two weeks. Then I'm going to get it for two weeks. So <laughs> six weeks or two months straight there had, they have COVID and can't play their best. And so uh, um, I feel for the team. Um, but it's really hard to, yeah, they have a good academy team they can pull from. That's a good point. Their academy team um, was pretty good. I saw footage of one of them cussing and yelling at the other team a lot. <laughs> I think his name was like Scrappy or something like that. Yeah, I, was like, I was like, all right, there goes that passion pit. Yeah, got to you know, throw that passion. But, I mean, Asim was yelling across the stage. Like, you know, sometimes the passion just comes out. And so I think with this ultra team, like, there's something missing. It's not the same team we saw last year. Um, it feels like the team that we saw before insight came in, which is really interesting, you know? And so hopefully it's just the sickness because I'll tell you, it was fun watching these guys compete. Like mm -hmm. they had a drive and a teamwork that no one could touch, not even phase. Everybody was like, that's the best teamwork in the game. Phase has the best skill in the game, but the best teamwork in the game is the Toronto ultra. If you want to learn how to play and use teamwork, watch them, you know, like thousand percent, they were the best. And so, um, I'm really interested to see what happens with this team and where they go and all of that kind of stuff. Like overall, I actually wasn't at the only thing that was surprising was the finals. You know, like if I'm honest, that was the biggest surprise of this event. I wasn't really like flabbergasted by the way anything else worked out. And if the breach would have went to the finals uh, instead <laughs> of the gorillas, it would have been like expected because of the way the breach were playing. The gorillas just like, they bullied their way into winning this event. They just bullied. They were like, we're not losing a search. So you can play us five maps if you want. We're still going to beat you. <laughs> and they just did that over and over and over and then did the same thing in the grand finals, like 10 in a row. And it's the streak lives on, right? Like we don't know how long they're going to go, um, but they broke FaZe's record by beating FaZe. So GG's big ups to that entire uh, team organization. 
you know, to slasher. I know every time we've seen like Clayster win after, a, you know, 1400 days or whatever it was, we saw Aches win after, you know, three or four years. We Like anytime one of these veterans gets a W, even seeing Seth win the last event, like seeing these veterans get a W after it's been a long wait, like you, you're just happy for him when, when attach one last year, same thing. And so, you know, just GG's to, to Austin, you know, I, I know this meant something because right before this event, when Gunless was down, he was just like, wow, I just can't win. Everybody tells me to try my best and look at this, look what happens to me. And he tried his best and he won the entire mm -hmm. tournament. So GG's Austin and the whole organization and lag. Uh, now we're going to do some questions from our wonderful viewers, uh, from you guys. So I'll wait for the first question to pop up. I think I actually have it. Um, and okay the first question is it'll come up on the screen in a moment uh from andrew larson and it says two questions if that's okay how does everyone feel with another purple team taking the trophy <laughs> what is everyone's reaction to lag making that amazing losers bracket run you can kind of do a uh abbreviated version since we've kind of talked about some of this but go ahead icon i'll let you go first Yep. I mean, purple's my favorite color, so I love it. I mean, backdrop, we got some purple here. Rocker's purple. I mean, I love purple. When it comes to LAG making the loser's background, I, I personally love loser's bracket stories. Like, when you think back through COD history, you think of what Slasher's done and loser's brackets run. I mean, that was, like, the point that he made, right? Like, I'm the champ of the loser's bracket. Um, what, what he did before and then what he was able to do with 100 Thieves. I mean... I just I like to see these these runs happen. It's like when you're watching the NCAA men's tournament and you see St. Petersburg doing the same sort of thing. Like you're always rooting yeah. for that squad to make that 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 run that you don't necessarily expect. Um, so just like what you laid out, it, it's it's a great story. I'm not sure that I'm I'm you know pushing my chips all in on LAG. <laughs> I think it's a great story, but if you had to tell me like, all right, who's going to place top 4 at the third major? I don't know if I'm going to put LAG in that, you know, in that group, but it was phenomenal to see and I'm happy for all those players especially after what they've been through the last couple of years. Yeah, man. Um it feels weird. I said this before the show like seeing Asim on a graphic, you know, with the Minnesota Rocker being mentioned because he used to play for the Rocker. Like, seeing Asim on that graphic in purple is just... And for a split second, my brain thinks it's the Rocker, you know, and then it's like, no, that's lag, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that lag has switched to, like, the Lakers colors, you know, in the, in the like, this Major 2 qualifiers and then up into Major 2. I wonder what made that decision. Um, I like the purple and white, but it's interesting that now it's the purple and gold or yellow mm -hmm. or whatever color that is. Um, it's interesting that they went like the Lakers kind of color scheme and it's kind of cool though. Cause it's LA, right. You it know, sets them and, different from everybody else too. Yeah. I mean, the other LA team is red and black, so there's not even a, you know, but it does set them apart from like Toronto when those two play each other, it's kind of like, wait, which team, you know, and yeah. so the, the purple and gold or purple and I don't, canary. I don't know what that color is, but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine that they took the trophy. Um, and then the, the losers bracket run, um, honestly, I love the sentiment I saw on the timeline. I've never seen other pros happier for another team winning than this tournament. Like, yeah, everybody tipped the rocker when they did the reverse, right? Like, everybody was just like flabbergasted by that. Um, and I think, I hate to say this, I think if the rocker would have beaten FaZe in that tournament instead of Toronto, it would have been the same sentiment. I think people literally have accepted that FaZe is the villains and nobody wants them to win anymore, uh, which is interesting. You know, they're the they're the big bad guys, you know, like that just win a lot and nobody wants to, them to win anymore. You know, every like when Michael yeah. Jordan was three-peating, the rest of the NBA was like, screw you, dude, you suck. You know? <laughs> like, and so that loser's bracket run, though, I saw Skump, Rambo. I mean, I, can, I don't even want to name people. I saw so many people. That is beautiful, uh, that trophy. I saw so many people shouting them out on the timeline and just saying that is the most typical performance. I think Sam Octane said that is the most typical performance I've ever seen. Like, and so GG's to those guys, man. That run was ridiculous. Um, all right, let's move to our second question. And it's from Sabrina. And she says, did you expect the Rocker fans to be able to silence the Greenwall fans as well as we were able to despite Optic winning? Number one, um, shout out to Sabrina for being a Rocker fan. She said we were able to. Uh, Gigi, hey. Sabrina, and the Rocker fans um, for silencing the Greenwall fans. I don't think they were ready for that. Um, and, you know, GG's to you guys. No, I didn't expect it. 
Hector said at the beginning of last season, I think when it was the Huntsman, um, or no, it was the beginning of this season. I remember Hector saying like, no matter where Optic goes, we're going to have the biggest fan. Like we're going to get the most noise. We're going to, but the Minnesota Rocker proved that's not true. Like you can actually build a fan base from the ground up. This isn't phase or, or envy. This is the Minnesota Rocker who came in with the CDL have built a fan base that's silencing Optic. Something to be proud of. So GG's to you, Sabrina, and the rest of the Rocker fans. Any thoughts there, Icon? Yeah, just like I, I mentioned in the open is that I, I was listening to like the chants and, you know, when it was S&D and the rounds were getting super tense and stressful and you'd start to hear like the let's go optics, just the classic chant that you hear that follows optic no matter where they go. And it, it became a point where like you couldn't quite distinguish if they were saying optic or rocker. And then the more you listen, kind of got drowned out by the let's go rockers. So, yeah, it, it's just it's cool to see. And I hope that we continue to see this. Uh, I believe the next tournament's in Toronto, so it'll be cool to see if uh, the Toronto fan base shows up. And I think the last one, I remember looking it up, the last one's the New York Subliners home series. So mm. uh, it's it's just cool to, you know, that this is going to travel around and we'll get to see what those fan bases look like. Yeah. Shout out to Rocker. Um, and good luck to those Toronto fans, you know. Um, I, I think they will show up, but it'll be interesting because they haven't been winning, so it's like harder to build a fan base, you know. Yeah. around that um and our last question today comes from pico soda and that question is would making control to give plus 20 seconds per tick like in cold war help balance and make it more competitive i'll go real quick because i probably have less of an opinion on this than you do icon um i happen to like control uh in this game i i'm I don't play competitively probably as much as Icon does, so I'm not going to have the same opinion. But as a as a viewer, as someone who's watching it, uh, there is a it's I I get it, I understand it. Like having an A and a B and it being about ticks and then watching the lives, like so happy the life counter is on there when they didn't have that. That was crazy. But it's like I really like the way control works in this game and it's entertaining. I know where people need to rotate. I can look at the mini map and I know I can tell what's happening. I know I've learned the callouts really quick just by watching. Um, and so for me, um, if Icon says it's going to be more balanced and competitive, then I'm like, GG's. <laughs> but I'm not a person that says get rid of the Volk because a new guy came in and changed the meta mid tournament and beat all of us. Like, I'm not down for that. So, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the teams that are good at control are going to be good at control no matter what. I, I will say that I think the differentiation between who gets defense in round five that changed from, you know, kill count to tick count. I think that's that's probably the best thing overall that they could have done. I mean, that's how it was last year in Black Ops Cold War. Um, when it comes to plus 20 seconds per tick, if you really think about it, each of those ticks really only gives you like one push as a team. So would that one push, would that one wave really be enough to change the entire landscape for some squads? I'm not quite sure that it would. Um, but to your point, I, I do like watching control. I don't think it's the best third game mode. And maybe this is just because, you know, we're OGs around here, but I think CTF is the best third game mode. I think watching capture the flag and, you know, the stalemates that happen and being able to see all the intricacies that happen. And it's 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 probably the most fair game mode because you have both sides, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I like watching control. I, I, I just to kind of round it up, I don't think that. 20 seconds per tick, maybe it would give a team an extra push towards a hill that they haven't captured yet. Um, but I don't think it's going to completely change the landscape. But it is it is interesting to think about and talk about. Agreed. Uh, well put. Um, so uh, producer Shannon says she has a special graphic uh, <laughs> for us. Oh, to see. boy. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> producer Will getting hype. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i didn't i thought it was gonna be the uh prediction point that's what i, I thought like... that's why i said oh boy <laughs> oh hype for will in the chat oh my gosh hey nice watch will i feel you i got like this little metal band for mine i know so many people have this watch but uh 
GG's. Uh, that's a nice shirt, too. I, I like it is that, a dope shirt. shirt. Yeah, I like that T-shirt. That's pretty I got good. the new version one shirt. The Oh, that's the one that they released. Never done. I like it. Yeah, it's clean, man. Yeah, I'm wearing my, uh, you know, my land major gear, hoodie, my major hoodie for the rocker. I like the, the <laughs> thing on the back is really dope. Like, I'm not going to stand up and turn around, but the, the graphic on the back of it is like, I like that they went with that, like, kind of like, um, with the Norse Viking, yeah, Nordic, like the Viking. That's what I was looking for, like the Viking feel. I like it. You know, one of these days on the show, I'm gonna wear a Viking hat. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I honestly, if Ashley was here, I probably would know this. Um, we have like a month long break before there's more matches. Like in May 13th is when the the next qualifiers start for Toronto. Um, so I do not know, and so I'm not gonna say whether or not we're gonna have a show next week. So stay tuned to the rocker socials make sure you're following the minnesota rocker and you'll see some clips from the show but then we'll also let you guys know when the next show is going to be uh before we close out though icon you know here's the predictions i i'd ask from you um and we can make these quick and painless two teams that are going to stick two teams that are going to make a change in your Ooh. opinion uh, you know, I I think for this question, let's eliminate the the phase and the optics because they're yeah. not going to make a change. So I am going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say LAG sticks. I know we had a little conversation with that, but I think just what they were able to do and how well Spart has seemed to gel with Asim and some, you know, what he gives to that roster. I'll say LAG sticks. I will also say Florida sticks. I think coming into this tournament, they were up in the air what they were doing with That's the roster, with moving Awakening around and bringing in Dave Patty, nobody was really quite sure. But here we are. They, they just had an impressive performance. We're able to knock out Optic. We're able to have a really good performance against LAG. So I think Florida sticks. I'll say LAG sticks. Maybe a bit of a spicy take, but if there's a team that needs to make a change, I'll say LA Thieves need to make oh, a change. Oh, that was going to be my first one. <laughs> I think yeah, when serious. it comes to that roster... Yes, they're sitting sixth right now in the CDL standings, but that is not what's expected out of that squad when it comes to a nade shot Call of Duty-based team. So I don't know what the move is. I, I, I When I watch that squad, I can't really pick out who exactly isn't performing up to par, but it's just not working. And when you make a change, like what you saw with LAG, the the entire momentum and the way that the team is made up can change. And I think that's what LA thieves needs. And the last one that I'll say makes a change is going to be the Toronto ultra. I think that they need to get back the confidence that they had last year. I know a lot of people has been screaming for Hixie and I mean, I guess that's a potential change that they can make. It's, it's something that, you know, they've already got on their roster that they've he tried this year that they in. could yeah. just, yeah, it's something easy that they could do. And maybe, you know, it's enough to turn around where that squad is at right now. So I'll say needs to make a change, LA Thieves and Toronto Ultra. All right. So I'm going to start with needs to make a change. And I'm intentionally going to pick a different team than you. But wouldn't it be okay. a crazy world if a Clayster was swapped out for an Octane? Um, all right. Mm. So my need to change teams are going to change teams. I think NYSL, you know, I called them NYSW. And that was wrong. I was <laughs> that's what the W stood for was wrong kingdom. Like <laughs> they were they were NYSL for this event. Um I got all excited as they closed out three and oh and then yeah, it just uh it was chalk. And so I think they need a change because they're 11th in the league right now and Crim Six is going to champs. So I think if mm -hmm. they don't change, he'll be like, send me somewhere else. <laughs> um <laughs> And so I think NYSL is going to make a change, and I think the Minnesota Rocker are going to make a change. I think the same thing, they're in 10th Ooh. place with 50 points. I know you don't want to say that on the podcast of the it's Minnesota spicy. Rocker. Um, and again, I've said it plenty of times on the show. Um, love all the players. I think they're great. I think they work together. But like you said about the Toronto Ultra, you think this game is just not their game. This makeup of players, it just it's not working consistently for this game. It's the same problem the LA Thieves are having. And... You just can't risk it, you know, not making champs as this type of an organization. You know, this is I, I always tell Ashley, it's amazing what, the work that she's done and the rest of the team and everybody that works with her. But I think, you know, them designating her as like the head of content early on and seeing what has happened to this team and the fan base they've built like this is now a staple in the CDL after two years, like an entire brand just was born out of nothing. And so 
Um, I think a change is what will happen. They've never been afraid to change at the Minnesota Rocker. Never. You know, to swap out, try the person on the bench, change players. They've never been afraid to change and try to get a W. <laughs> um, producer Shannon <laughs> in the chat. Yes. Producer <laughs> Shannon, this is not Intel. I am not a part of the Minnesota Rocker. I know nothing. Um, all right. And the other, the two teams that are going to um, stick, um, I would say the Seattle Surge. Good event. Yeah. You know? Um, they're going to stick. Both the teams you mentioned, I would say, are going to stick as well. And so the other one I want to throw out there, though, is the Boston Breach. I think they're going to stick as well. Um, Zinni is, I believe, still the number one KD in the entire CDL, right? Like, he's close. Okay, I know he was I think number he's, one before this event. I think he's top three. I think Selium and Dashi are still the top okay. two. So even if... Oh, maybe he was just number one during major two qualifiers. So that could even, be, yeah. even if he's top three, like GG's to Zen, who couldn't it's get insane. picked up last year. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like couldn't get on a freaking roster. And so GG's to Zen, Anthony shares my name. Love the guy. <laughs> um, uh, GG's to Tony. <laughs> like I I'm really happy for him in that roster. And I think that they're going to stick. So. Thank you guys uh, for watching the rotation today. Uh, like I said, we may have a show next week. We may not. If something crazy happens roster-wise, you know we're going to pop on and we're going to be talking about it next week. So make sure you guys stay tuned to the Rocker Social so that you know when to catch us for the next episode of the rotation. Peace out.